Good morning, and welcome to Midpoint Wednesday. I'm Shelley Rebeck, your host for WMNF's Mid-Florida, Mid-Week, Mid-Morning, Dose of News and Public Affairs with a Local Perspective. You are listening to WMNF 88.5 FM, Tampa Bay's only independent, commercial-free FM radio, brought to you by you because we are supported by generous listeners just like you. It's a new year, a couple of days past New Year's Day, and so many of our local politicos, politicians, lawyers, and public affairs commentators are still on their winter break. They are taking an exceptionally long time before making themselves available to join us on Midpoint to review the last year and to prognosticate about the year to come. So today, we'll be mostly putting politics aside for an hour to talk about more about the personal. Since it's a new year, I thought we should acknowledge that it's often a time of big change for many people. We make resolutions, we commit to new lifestyles, and we make vows, maybe to give up carbs or alcohol or to walk 10,000 steps a day, to stop yelling at our kids so much, to read a book a month or finish our novel. New Year's is seen as a milestone, a day imbued with intention and some special powers of resolve that we hope will let us step into a fresh calendar with a pocket full of purpose and a plan. So today, Midpoint will be talking about new beginnings, starting over, second acts, and making big changes with some of my interesting friends, and hopefully with you. We'll be back to griping about politics, laws, and more public affairs by next week, as soon as everyone returns from winter break. But until then, you're invited to join our conversation during the live show at 813-239-9663, email dj at wmnf.org, or text us at 813-433-0885 and tell us about your new beginnings and changes. My guests in the studio today are a couple of people, friends, who have made big changes in their lives and... I dare say they have reaped the rewards of those changes in finances, happiness, and personal satisfaction. Laura Waller was born in Brooklyn but came to Florida as a young teen alongside her studies in sociology, psychology, and social work at Tulane University. Woohoo! Roll green wave! Uh, she developed a passion for art and art history. And after 11 years as a professional therapist, Laura became a certified financial planner and founder of the successful Waller & Wax Advisors in Tampa. Now, throughout her 30-year career in finance, she continued to paint and study independently with noted artists in Arizona, Florida, and Maine. In 2002, Laura sold her financial firm, and since then, she's maintained a full-time studio art practice in Maine and in Florida. Her award-winning paintings have been featured in eight solo exhibitions since 2015 and 19 group exhibitions since 20, uh, 2006. In 2016, she received the Individual Artist Grant and the Carolyn Heller Visual Arts Award from the Arts Council of Hillsborough County. And her work is now included in numerous corporate and private collections nationwide. Um, Laura has made some major changes in her life, as you heard, and her career that have paid enormous dividends for her, but in very different ways. And I thought she would be able to talk us through the process of 
deciding to commit to a creative path and what it takes to see success as an artist. So welcome to Midpoint, Laura. Thank you, Shelley. It's good to be with you. And Randy Friedman is with us. Randy, who is also the co-host of WMNF's Sunday Simca on Sundays. Thank you. Shameless plug right there. I appreciate it. Randy started his career in Tampa many years ago running his family's chain of Red Cross shoe stores. Yeah. He eventually moved into real estate. But what is unique about Randy's real estate practice is his specialized niche in helping people sell their loved ones' estates after a death or when the elderly are moving into senior residence communities or when couples are going through uh, a divorce. And these are all times of big life changes and, and big stress for people. And I thought Randy might have some insights for us on how people handle those enormous life challenges. Uh, so welcome, Randy. Welcome, and thank you for uh, having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, and we'd like to hear from you, our listeners, about your New Year's commitments to change. You can give us a call at 813-239-9663. You can email us at dj at wmnf.org, or you can text us at 813-433-0885. Uh, let me start with you, Laura. You traveled a long path to finally commit to being a full-time artist. And I suppose in some ways you were always an artist, uh, but you spent most of your time doing other things. And I wonder, if was that ever a difficult choice for you to put other things and other responsibilities ahead of your art? Yeah, I think one of the things I've noticed about artists in general is that they often love what they do but they don't have a very secure background and they don't realize that they need to be able to financially afford that lifestyle. So with artists lots of times either they have to do the art on the side and have another field that they're involved with to make a living or commit to really selling their art and believing that it has a monetary uh, worth to it. Um, I was fortunate because I was a financial planner for 30-40 years and um, was able to build a financial background and enough of a comfort level that I could go into art full-time in 2012. Um, to get ready for it, I um, painted watercolors for years and years. Um, it, I'd go and take workshops all over the country, and that kind of gave me um, an ability to... Um, get away from the market and immerse myself in something different. I find a lot of times when people retire, they think it's going to be great. They can play golf. They can go um, clean out their closets. They can do a radio show. They can do a radio <laughs> show. which is, And I think the main thing to think about is you've got to retire to something. And in my case, it has to be something meaningful or you're not going to keep your interest involved. And um, art was like that. Um, I had to uh, hire a consultant who was wonderful and became a close friend who told me that to really make my art marketable, I needed to work in a series. And she asked me why I was not painting Florida. And I said, well, everybody's done beach umbrellas and palm fronds, and I'm not interested in that. And she thought about it, and then she said, well, what about the port of Tampa? And I said, well, thinking about the cruise ships, which are an important part of our economy, I said, you know, they look like hotels with rudders. I don't get excited about them. And she said, what about the working port? And that struck a bell. 
because my background is from a working class background. My dad was a butcher originally. Um, I like that idea. And then it was how to get into the port. Um, most of us have driven by the port of Tampa Bay and have never seen it. So uh, one of the interesting things I just heard you talk about was the fact that you worked with a consultant to help guide your um, your career change and to help uh, figure out a way to monetize it, I guess, mm-hmm. um, as an artist. And I find that really interesting because you yourself were a consultant for people in terms of uh, helping them to develop their own financial goals and stability and and um and so i think that that's really interesting in terms of people making big life changes uh that sometimes we need help that it's just much more difficult to do it alone and that sometimes you need some guidance i mean whether it comes from a professional Mm -hmm. like a financial planner or a therapist or uh, someone in the real estate field like Randy who has this niche um, in helping people go through major change, major life changes um, and and manage their you know their their real estate and their their um, you know all their estate stuff getting rid of stuff I mean I know that's something that that you work with Randy too but I think that the point is that sometimes you need help sometimes you need guidance I mean Randy I, I, I bet a part of what you do is kind of therapeutic for some of your clients isn't it a considerable and uh, I, I got into it first of all let me welcome my friend Shelly, and we've known each other, and I don't want to say how long, 50 years. Uh, we're from the old country, Buffalo, New York. That's right. We've been down here just about the same amount of time, so it's, it's nice. Um, I became a real, I, I, I was in the shoe business, and my family had shoe stores back in Buffalo, New York, and then we came down here, and we had them in the Tampa Bay area. And uh, they were, originally they were Red Cross shoes, which were conservative, older women style shoes. So my background, basically, when I was from 16 years old up, was dealing with with older people and being comfortable around them. And then as I aged into it, it uh, it really became a natural thing. And I think you're absolutely correct in getting guidance, at, especially at major points in your life. Uh, it's very important because you want to go through this uh, situation. You want to make the choices when you do have good advice from people who have gone through it, have experience, and can tell you really what is the right path to follow. So I agree 100% on that. Well, you know, it's interesting that you both that you both talk about, um, you know, getting some advice and counseling in order to uh, help people go through these huge life transitions. Um, and I wonder, is there anything in particular that you think may help make these transitions easier for people? I mean, for example, Randy going through someone who is getting rid of their family home and all of their mementos and you know uh, collections and and all the minutia of their life because they're moving into a assisted living facility or because they're getting a divorce. I mean that's a that's a huge life change for so many people and they don't need to be elderly people, um, but they have to split up their possessions and they have to you know that kind of thing it seems to me you know people can really benefit from the help of a trusted advisor 
It's a tremendously overwhelming, emotionally overwhelming experience on all of those three areas. Um, they're all, they're, they have, a, they experience a lot of the same emotions, but just slightly different in a different section. Uh, divorces, when you think about it, uh, selling a, a, a home, a divorced couple, the home is the physical embodiment of every couple's hopes and dreams. The white picket fence, the home to raise your family in. Yeah, like our house is a very, very, very nice house. <laughs> Thank you, CSNNY. Uh, so when, you, when, you, when they have to split up for that, aside from all the other emotions, the animosity, the adversarial actions going on in people's lives, separating the home, separating the asset is very difficult for a lot of people. And it does take a lot. You, you really have to approach it as an experienced realtor who handles that in a way that you, you handle everybody equally. You give everyone all of the advice. And it works that same way in, in not only in divorces, but moving someone into a senior residence. Because generally, when, you're moving, when someone's moving to a senior residence, it's not just the senior who's doing it. It's the adult child that you're dealing with. Their, their, their adult child, basically between 50 and 65, is the people I deal with mostly. And you have to give dignity to the senior who's moving into the community and respect their thoughts. But you also have to overcome the inertia and get them to move and give up some of their, like you said, family heirlooms, their, their items that they've had in their life because they are downsizing generally. Um, and then dealing with someone who's passed away, dealing with the estates there, that's the same thing. It's, it's all, uh, you really have to look at it differently and have to help the people look at it differently, people that are involved. And Laura, you've come at it from different sides because in your career as a financial planner, um, that was probably a big part of it was helping people through these major life transitions in terms of their finances and and helping them be able to afford these major life changes because you know that's a big that's a big issue for people who people may want to change but they don't have the financial wherewithal or they feel insecure about being able to manage the financial life whether it's moving into a creative career like an artist without you know, a backstop, a financial backstop, or whether it's getting divorced, um, you know, couples where maybe uh, one of the spouses has been, you know, at home for years without an outside income. You know, these are all big considerations. And I just wonder, what, what have you found that has, has made it easier for you to help people through that kind of change or go through it yourself? I think in making my change, I had a think about using my network um, you know coming from financial planning to art is a major change yeah. but it still means you can use the same kind of network and for example to get into the port which I was interested in painting um, you know it meant using friends friends in Athena society who knew somebody in the port who could then sponsor me because you had to be sponsored to go through Homeland Security to be able to get dockside in the port or introduce me to a harbor pilot. There's um, there are two two Florida harbor pilots that are female. 
one of them lives here in Tampa and takes the big ships in and out of our port. Yeah, Carolyn Kurtz, Carolyn. right? Yep. Yeah. We love Carolyn. We yeah, all love, love Carolyn. Carolyn. <laughs> well, yeah, Carolyn was, was kind enough to take me out on one of the 500-foot ships, and we went out. Well, she took it out through the harbor under the Sunshine Skyway Bridge, and then about, I think it was 12 miles out, they finally sent the pilot boat out for us. And I thought they'd just lower a ramp and let you go on it. No, you climb down the side of the ship (laughs) on a rope ladder, and then she grabs you and pulls you onto the other boat. Well, I mean, that's the kind of excitement that you can get through this field, but it also is because of networking. And in any business, you learn to network, and it works in the second, third, and fourth career, too. I, well, I, I agree. I, I'm sorry, but yeah. I agree. I think that it's so important. People going through a transition in life, you, you, they need to sit down. And that's why sometimes a, a consultant, therapist, whatever, who's helping you, and sit down and discover your strengths that you might not think are strengths, but are there and help you map them out and get a realistic plan or position of your life. Like you said, networking. People don't realize that uh, they, be, they may be networking, they going through a divorce, and if the woman that was a, a housewife or whoever stayed at home to take care of the, the children, um, they may not think that they have those connections. They may not think that they have skills that can work well in the, in the, uh, in, in the business field today or any kind of field, but people do. And it's sitting down and realizing what really are your strengths and, and making your career with that. I think that's very important. Yeah, now we'd like to hear from you, listeners, about your New Year's commitments to change. And we have two people here um, in Randy and Laura who've both been through major life changes themselves and who are experienced advisors. Uh, so if you have some questions or want some, and me, who just has a lot of opinions <laughs> and freely gives and advice. Have, yeah. let me tell you. <laughs> and freely gives advice, whether it's solicited or not. <laughs> Not, but we have we have some experienced people here who do have, uh, you know, good uh, counsel. And so, if you'd like some some counsel and some advice about big changes that you're considering in this new year, you can give us a call at WMNF at eight one three two three nine nine six six three. You can email us at dj at wmnf dot org, or you can text us at eight one three. Four three three zero eight eight five, and we'd like to hear about your plans uh, for the new year and your your changes that you're contemplating. Um, you know, there was an interesting article in the New York Times, uh, or maybe it was the Washington Post, this weekend about things that um, we can look forward to in the future because you know everybody's so anxious about the future. But there were some, you know, some positive. Uh, attributes that people were speculating might be uh, coming our way, and one of them was that that the I think it was Anne Marie Slaughter wrote that um, the career path of people counseling other people in how to uh, make changes in their life was going to be um, you know really developed in the in the near future. So, for example. Um, careers that never existed before, like life coach, um, you know, which isn't quite a therapist, but it's, you know, a combination therapist, career counselor, um, and that type of thing. Life coach was going to be a career path that was going to be 
much more prevalent in the future. A therapy would be much more, you know, we, uh, we read a lot about how it's so difficult to get a good therapist these days that people, you know, can't find openings um, in to, you know, to seek out therapy, that there's more of it available online these days. And so therapists is going to, uh, that career path is going to be enhanced. Uh, career, specific career counselors. Um, you found, uh, Laura, someone to consult with in the art world uh, who was able to help guide you in changing your career path into being a full-time working artist. Um, and, and so I, fi- I find it kind of interesting that, um, that the, a whole new burgeoning enterprise full of counseling is also um, developing now. I think it's something that we, you know, we should really think about that people, you know, have a need for advice and guidance. And, uh, and so I think these, these opportunities to look into, you know, who can help us along the way are probably good. You know, what I think is so different now is, and it's probably more of the implications of the pandemic and how it's staying with us, is how do you form relationships? If you don't go into an office, how do you form close friendships at work? Um, to me, it doesn't happen when I go on Zoom because I have to read people's body language and stuff and get a sense of what they're like. And I can't do it on Zoom. It's too controlled for me. But, I mean, how do you, you know, develop friendships? And there was a wonderful thing piece in the New York Times that I just started reading about happiness and how the steps to happiness and things you can do. And one is to just, you have to reach out more to people. And one of the suggestions they had in this particular article was that you have eight-minute conversations on the phone because nobody cannot, most people can afford eight minutes. You can't afford 15 minutes or, you know, a half an hour, but eight minutes you can. And to make that a regular practice to call people and really spend eight minutes of expressing yourself with them, and that should be enough. And so it, it like, starts ties again with people when we're so isolated the past two years. Yeah, I think uh, I agree a hundred percent. I think that that there are there are opportunities, um, especially for there's there's a thought that if you're middle aged and you lose your job, if you've had a job, you lose your job, you cannot enter the workforce. You can't compete, middle aged and seniors. You can't compete with uh, the the other the younger generation of younger people. And I think that's so wrong to think of it that way. Yeah, you can't compete in certain areas. There are certain there are always going to be certain areas that the next generations are going to be knowing more about and whether it's popular culture, whether it's technology, whether it's any of that. But what does stay the same and what actually you accrue more of is emotional quotient you 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 understand you should be as you grow older that's why they say you know you become wiser it's just you've ex- should be have experienced more gain more knowledge and that is a strength that people kind of just ignore when they want to re-enter the workforce or do some change uh, have a life change so when you were talking about an eight-minute conversation there are right now and and Shelley, you said this about consultants there is right now out there i don't know if you've seen this ai artificial intelligence oh, program yeah. called chat 
bot chat something chat agp or something, something like, like gps that. or something A-G-T. like that. yeah yeah some yeah. number some letters which is phenomenal I mean, I don't know if you if you tried it, but it's a combination of like, it uh, it's a combination of Google and um, they uh, generate blogs, they generate conversations. It's phenomenal. They really generate is. college essays. They generate yeah. art. Yeah, right. they generate so, right. art. So uh, while well, a hundred percent, this is going to be the future, and you need to embrace it because it really is. Why would you spend hours trying to research something and come up with 300 words when you can do this just go right in type in your question what you're looking for and it generates a 300 word blog so why do people do it this this is going to take over and this is great it's you know you still have to be creative in writing the typing out that question or storyboarding whatever you want to do but it's the personal connections that are going to be so important and those aren't going to be AI generated. Those are people mm-hmm. to people, like you said. It's an eight-minute conversation, and o- older workers, middle-aged and seniors, should have better skill sets because they've been doing it longer. Mm-hmm. And getting consultants, which is another person-to-person situation, it's not an AI-generated conversation you're having with someone. It is sitting down, expressing some emotions and getting feedback from an experienced, real-life person. And I think those are the careers that are out there, and those are going to be more and more developed, like you said, Shelley. Well, but I just wonder, you know, because um, as we interact with different businesses now today, for example, you know, we're shunted to the use of a chat bot which is a, a form of AI, you yeah. know, like these little su- boxes come up on your screen on the side. Hi, I'm Lucy, the chatbot from whatever, you know, your insurance company or your, you know, how can I help you? And then, you know, you're guided into to putting in some sort of uh, question and 90% of the time I've found it can't be answered by the chatbot, but I do think that that's going to be improving. I mean, it's going to diminish the need, though, for live people with soft skills uh, to be like in customer service or, you know, that type of thing. It's, it's really, it already has diminished that need, and it's only going to get more and more sophisticated the AI, and then on the uh, on the other hand, in the art world, for example, um, I read an article the other day that they had a bunch of experts, teachers, and uh, different education specialists looking at two samples of a fourth grader's, mm-hmm. um, you know, writing sample and trying to decide which one had been created by a real live fourth grader and which one had been created by uh, a chatbot or an AI, by AI. And they couldn't tell. They were wrong more than half the time. They couldn't pick which was the one done by a live, a live fourth grader. And so I wonder if we're going to see that, for example, in the art world. I mean, we're going to see people say... Tell AI, uh, you know, I want to see a painting in the style of name some artist uh, with the following colors um, from this angle, you know, whatever, given a set of parameters, and then the, the painting will be created. And is that 
does that mean that the person who put those parameters into AI is an artist? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've already, there was an article, I think, in the New York Times about this, that there was someone who went into AI and just create, mentioned different artists they liked, and they created something, and then they went out there and sold it. And um, I don't know if that's really progress. You know, I think about, you know, without being this 70-some-odd-year-old woman who's look looking back on things. <laughs> Thank you. But... Um, I don't. I think there's still that that personal communication when it really works between the artist and the person who buys the art that can't be replicated by a computer. And it's something that makes that person buy that piece of art, put it on their wall, and keep it there because it's so interesting and and important to them that they can keep going back and find something new every time they look at it. And I don't think that exists when you're an AI, you're talking to a computer. That's mm -hmm. a com compilation of a bunch of ideas. Um, maybe I'm being silly and old-fashioned, but I think there's something very special about that. No, I think, uh, I think we're going to find that out, though. I think we're going to find out whether or not people have the same or similar reactions to AI-generated art that they do to human-generated art. And the definition of who is an artist and what, what is art, I think, is going to, to change as, as AI gets more and more developed. But, you know, I have a, um, an, an email here uh, from Mark from Brandon that says, uh, Morning, Shelley, what a show. You're reading my mind. At 55, I'm still dreaming every day to be in an artistic music career. And yet, out of fear and lack of financial planning, I work a regular job that I don't enjoy, which I find shameful and prevents me from living my best life and giving my true gifts. Any ideas? Question mark. Yeah, I wonder whether you can combine the two. I mean, if you're really into is it art, um, musical, theater, whatever it is you're talking about, why not do something in little theater while you're actually working full-time during the day and see how much you really enjoy it, and then you could slowly look for more and more opportunities like that while you continue to work in the job that gives you the roof over your house and the food in your mouth. Yeah, I think he's got a music career, it looks like. I don't know, but... Um, it's, it's, it's interesting because he's at the point where it's... Is he, does he call himself a musician or does he call himself a, an hourly wage guy, you know? <laughs> yeah. And what, what are you, right off the bat, define yourself better, you know? Are you a musician that just that works just to keep food on the table or are you a, a wage slave that wants to be a, a musician, you know? And I think that's like you make these decisions. Yeah, you make those commitments. Yeah. And how you see yourself is, I think, the first step, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and I also think that it can take time. I mean, you don't, to me, it takes planning. Maybe that's the financial planning background, but it takes time to decide what it is that you really want to do and to get all your ducks lined up in a row. Um, so I think it just takes a lot of planning, and this is a good time as any to do that. Um, here's another email that I think speaks to Mark also. This is from Celia in Winterhaven and she says, if you want to make friends, volunteer for an activity that you care about. Um, you're, she says, we're talking about AI, but you're forgetting the upcoming crash as climate change progresses. Who's going to pay for these 
uh, fripperies if they can't afford food. Um, I, I think Celia makes a good point initially on um, that you started to make earlier, Laura, about networking. Like if you if you commit to a, a creative path or you commit to really any major change in what you want to do with your life, it, you might start out with volunteering in that um, area as a way to network. You know, whether it's like, for example, Mark, uh, who's listening to WMNF, may or may not know that WMNF, you know, with its vast, vast music um, offerings, you know, has volunteer opportunities where uh, you can work with the station, you can, you know, help on shows, you can, you know, volunteer for the live shows that the station puts on, and you can sort of build a local network um, and meet other people interested in the same you know, thing, whether it's a particular musical genre or whatever. And I'm sure that there are other opportunities as well. Well, I think that's defining yourself right off the bat. Like, what are you now? Okay, even though you're a volunteer yeah, as in, in the music industry, you're in the music industry. Right. You know? And I, I don't know why I read it, but someone said, I was reading an article about, I think someone wanted to be an actor, you know? And the advice was, get a job it doesn't matter what the whatever it is the most entry level job you can get but if it's in theater if it's in acting if it's in a studio get the job there and take it and then work your way up but you're a part of it you know and that's what's important i think defining yourself right off the bat to what you really who you are Right. And I think it's interesting, Shelley, that your um, person who sent that question in and talked about it is networking with you. Yeah. And part of the, of the success of all of this is taking advantage of those opportunities like this one that just happened when it occurs. Yeah. No, I think that's true. I mean, really, there's a, I think there's a lot of opportunities that may not be financially uh, remunerative in the in the beginning but that you know may lead to that going forward I mean I think that um, you know there were there were a lot of opportunities to to do volunteer work that you know wouldn't wouldn't make me any money when I uh, decided to change careers and retire but um, but that would give me a, a great sense of personal satisfaction too. And um, you know, fortunately, I could volunteer for WMNF and do a radio show <laughs> and not get paid. But but it, but there are there are opportunities to build that kind of um, space in your life, even when you're working a full time job. I know when I you know when I was lawyering full time and being a single parent and whatever I still made time for volunteering and doing you know pro bono cases and civil rights cases and things that were you know very meaningful to me um, and through that I built another network I you know um, and so I think there's room for that in everybody's life you and know? in every industry yeah in every also. industry so when I was I've, I've been a realtor now for almost 20 years and when I first started out you start out as, as a general or realtor, anybody that you know in your network gives you, you know, opportunities to help them find a house or sell their house. And uh, it, it, I started, I helped a, a couple of friends sell their parents' house, passed away, realized that was an, an area that I really enjoyed for a variety of reasons. It allowed me to give incredible full service, build a network with not just other realtors or insurance agents, but a, a whole host of people that make 
selling an estate with all the furniture, personal items in it, rehoming pets, all these, these actions that need to be taken. Um, but it was something that I liked. So I really don't deal in investors. I don't deal with, you know, everybody loves to sell the home to the couple that just got married and they're having a baby or something like that. That's always nice. Or moving down here from their up north in Buffalo to moving down <laughs> to a condo on the beach. Those are wonderful. But what I really, what I thought worked well for me on a lot of all areas, you know, emotionally, financially, everything was was helping these people going through really difficult times in their lives and transitional times in their lives. But I think there's a, there's areas wherever industry you're in, or you can find an industry that that's suited for what you want. Yeah, a niche. You know, that's what I found, too. I mean, you know, like just like realtors are a dime a dozen, lawyers are a dime. You know the joke about realtors in Florida, right? No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, the joke is this. If if you live in Florida and you don't have a friend that's a realtor, you don't have any friends. (laughs) (laughs) Right, exactly. And lawyers are a dime a dozen, too. If you don't have a friend who's a lawyer, you don't have any friends. (laughs) But I think you can still find a niche, you know. You can find some, some specialized area that is uh, speaks to you in some way like you Randy you know already had this uh, sort of you know uh, comfort with dealing with older people elderly people um, my that, age people now yeah now but <laughs> you know but over the years you know people that you dealt yeah. with in in you know the shoe business were the same people that you were maybe dealing with in in your particularized practice and I you know found the same I found the same niche in my law practice you know not that niche but right. you know I'm, I found that you know I had no interest in doing DUI cases I had no interest in doing uh, drug cases after a certain uh, period of time when the laws changed and you just really couldn't help people that much I felt it wasn't really rewarding for me and I found a niche in doing you know white collar fraud cases but but the point is that there's some some particular area that you may be particularly suited for that the next person be an expert. isn't. But what 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 your what your counselor told you about it was uh, for you to start in your art, do a series. Well, once again, that's a niche. Yeah. You know, that's a, okay. Do a series, meaning I'm going to not just do one painting, but concentrate on an on an area and go deep in it. Mm-hmm. I think I think. The way the, 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 everything is about the internet, but the internet has brought out, you know, we don't, we don't look for general practitioners anymore. We look for specific people to handle a job, specific experts to handle a job. Yeah, there aren't too many generalists in anything anymore, I think. Do you agree? It's true. I think what's so interesting about the internet also is that, especially in art, you don't have to have a very high, um, amount of money to get uh, your work out there because of Instagram and Facebook. But very and egalitarian to get out yeah, there. It's and, very and nice. The you can show your work that way. Um, another thing that I found that was kind of interesting about going into a new field at this stage is that, you know, as a financial planner, you stay politically neutral because you have clients that have come from all different backgrounds. But as a person in this final this next career I can express my feelings through my art so that two of the series I worked on one was called America's Guernica which was 
my version of how Guernica was um, happened in Spain, where um, Nazis came in and bombed a town, and it was a, f a warning that we didn't take about what was coming with World War II. Well, I felt that way with January 6th and felt that I could go on watching videos of January 6th, take photographs, and then paint them realistically so that we could actually see what did happen on that day and not interpret it um, based on what we're hearing on TV. And the other thing I was able to do is a series I'm working on now about disappearing houses in Tampa. Um, you know, I love our town. I love the history of it. I like the fact that people are moving into town and um, we're growing. But I don't want to see us forsake our heritage. And that's what these small houses that are one story that are scattered over all through South Tampa and through other neighborhoods in Tampa are being torn down and replaced with very large houses that fill the whole footprint so there's not even much grass left. And so I've been painting these houses before they disappear. And that's a, just a political feeling I have. And you can do that when you're in... Um, a later career. Yeah, when you're freed from having to, you know, remain neutral or, right. or yeah, that's sort of um, obviously happened to me too. Because <laughs> here we are at WMNF expressing a lot of political opinions and things that... Uh, I'm neutral. That uh, <laughs> keep me... You're still out there. Absolutely. Well, you know... Keep the WMNF powers that be monitoring me, but... People, um, people cry and go through a lot of difficult, hard times, and you don't want to, you know, it's it's you don't look at their political thoughts or their uh -huh. leanings when they're going through a divorce or having to bury their father or mother and sell their property or, you know, move move, move mom into uh, senior care. Yeah, you know, that's like the last thing you worry about. But but you, you know, you have to help them. Let me, let me read an email from Peter from Indian Shores who says, I was a waiter, I worked at Honeywell as a tech, and then I tried real estate. I should have been a comedian. Um, Pete now manages buildings on the Gulf of Mexico and says you have to have a sense of humor doing all that. Don't take criticism too personally. Just look at it as something to evaluate for yourself later. If you have a stressful job, you can only do so much at one time. If you just simply communicate with people and keep everyone informed, your life will go a lot smoother no matter what career you choose. Well, thanks, Pete. I'm mm -hmm. glad that you, you know... Have, sound advice. Yeah, sound advice, right. Um, I think that that's, uh, you know, that good for any sort of uh, career. So uh, let me ask you both as we, you know, get toward the end of the show, what, what's been the most rewarding thing about making the big swings and taking on a completely different professional identity? And also, what has been the most frightening um, because I think that, you know, fear stops a lot of people from, you know, making these big changes. And whether it's fear of being, you know, financially insecure or fear of being, uh, you know, ridiculed or, or not um, supported in, in a more artistic way, like the guy who wanted to be a musician or Pete who wanted to be a comedian, all these type of things, you know, you really put yourself out there and expose yourself to, you know, an audience. And I think that that's a different kind of fear. It's not just, will I be able to put a roof over my head? But it's like, what, what, if, what if people don't like me? You know, what if they don't like what I have to offer? What if, you know, what if my art never sells? What if my, I never get applause at the end of my show? <laughs> or, you know, things like that. So I just wonder, you know, 
what kinds of things are the most frightening in making big swings and what kinds of things are the most rewarding and where do you find the balance? Hmm, good question. Insecurity. Insecurity drives everything, you know, and like you said, and I think that probably from for a lot of people, um, financial insecurity is a, the biggest determining factor, mm-hmm. and especially when you're transitioning at a at an established age. You know, when you're young and you're 16 or 18 years old and you're deciding what you want to do in life, you don't have to really worry about it because either you're you're living with your parents or you're living in a very small place. You're living in a very cost-effective place so failing is not a bad failing isn't isn't horrendous but when you're older and established i think you know you have to have an idea of of your financial value but i think laura the former financial planner would say (laughs) that when you're young is the time when you really have to start thinking about planning for your future especially if you want to pursue a career in the art world or the creative yeah. professions or something, um, you know, that, yeah, you can fail and you can get up again and again. But if you don't want to have that insecurity later in life, it's important to start planning early. Would, yeah. would you agree? Yeah, it's particularly hard for artists because, like, unlike, for example, teachers who go into a job, but they have structured ways to save through their 401k, 403b plans, through um, pensions that as long as they stay with a teaching job long enough will be there for them. Artists don't have that. Mm -hmm. They have to somehow develop it themselves and set it aside themselves. So I think more than anybody, they need help in setting up a plan. Um, The other thing when your question about what's the best and the worst thing about going out and going into this field. I think with art, it's it's the criticism. I mean, when you put your art out there, you're going to be criticized for it. And, you know, the best thing I heard to counteract that insecurity is the fact that nobody writes a history of art critics. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't, they're not remembered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the best part to me has been um, walking into someone's house and seeing my painting there. I mean, mm-hmm. I've become part of their family and, and that's the best reward. Yeah, I think that that's important, too. I think that the idea of being criticized, nobody likes to be criticized. Mm -hmm. And in most professions, you're not really reviewed. I mean, I guess as a lawyer, you know, you get these, like, ratings and rankings and things like that. But a lot of that is is You just don't get referrals. You know, yeah, I mean, that's yeah, that's, that's you're true. right. That's right. I Whether mean, that's you're your lawyering or real or in real estate yeah. or other business, you don't get referrals. Oh. That's your criticism. And I think the reward is aside from, you know, actually handling one in my situation, helping someone sell their loved one's estate and helping them get through this this difficult time. Um, that reward, but also having that same that same client refer you to someone else going through it because they know that you can handle it and make that person feel great or as best as possible. So um, that's the rewards that, that I get out of it. Is, is It's a satisfaction. Yeah. It's a financial reward because, you know, it's doing, it's getting paid for something you'd like to do and yeah. want to do and find a lot of, a lot of realtors, they don't want to do that. You know, they don't want to go through, a lot of people, there's, Generally, a lot of professionals in any profession don't want to have to help people going through a difficult, challenging time because it's not, it's not easy. 
it's not well, easy on, on the I, I certainly had that experience you know I was a criminal defense yeah. lawyer for over 30 years and you know what they say they say you know with criminal defense you see bad people at their best and with divorce you see good people at their worst absolutely yeah. <laughs> you know but in both cases people are going through really difficult times and you know they they want to be able to drop their problem in your lap and have you fix it i know with my criminal clients for example it it they dropped the problem in my lap if i never called them if they never heard from me again that would be the greatest success I sure. could I could bring to them, you know. Um, so yeah, it, it, you know, there are people that want, just want to do the happy stuff, you know, want to do adoptions, want to do, sure. you know, uh, closings on 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 home sales, for example, or right. something like that. Um, but yeah, somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to take the the difficult the difficult difficult ones and uh you know and i guess with art it's not too different in that you know somebody needs to represent you know the difficult moments in life too you know that there are there are ways to express that artistically that people find are too difficult to express mm. verbally or emotionally or um or what have you um so we are talking with Laura Waller, who's an artist who made a big career swing over the years from therapist to financial planner to working artist. And we're talking with uh, Randy Friedman, who also made a big career swing and a big change from uh, running shoe stores for elderly people to uh, handling their real estate and probate needs um, when they are disposing of their property or people going through a divorce. And so these are two people who have experience in their own lives in making big changes and making big swings and also um, have taken advice, you know, and counseling and guidance from other people in making these changes. So if you have some uh, questions about making changes in your own life in the new year. We want to hear from you. Um, we have just a few minutes, um, but if you'd like to, you can give us a call at 813-239-9663. You can email us at dj at wmnf.org, or you can text us at 813-433-0885. Um, you know, I I think one of the big um, things that is important in making these big swings and, and making these big changes in life, um, at least the experts say, is to create a situation where you are accountable for what you want to do, where you don't just keep it in your head, you don't keep it a secret, I'm thinking about becoming an artist, I'm thinking about making this career change, but that you announce it, that you go public with it, and that you have people around who will keep you accountable for it. So, um, I, you know, I, I, I think that that's advice about how uh, people can um, stick to it and actually move forward and not just keep, you know, rolling it over in their head. So I'm going to start with one of my own resolutions and disclose that I've been learning about the anti-fascist history of Tampa, particularly in Ybor City during the years uh, before World War II, during the Spanish Civil War uh, between Generalissimo Franco and the Spanish Republicans. And I've been talking to historians like USF's Gary Mormino and others, and I think I'd like to research and produce a podcast about that 
particular historical period in Ybor City and, and the anti-fascist movements there, um, along the lines of the Working Class History podcast, if you're familiar with that. And WMNF has recently built out a podcast studio in our beautiful building, so I hope to be able to have a place to work on it right here in 2000. 23. That's my resolution. So I'm making myself accountable for that. So hopefully by 2024, maybe we'll have a production uh, to share with the listeners. So uh, anyone else want to share? Do either of you have any resolutions you want to share for this year? Yeah, I think I want to have a resolution to go to another port. Um, I've based myself mainly in the port of Tampa Bay, and I'd like to try a different port. Um, I'm thinking of Iceland. Oh, wow. wow. That's um, a huge change. <laughs> well, actually, Iceland has a con, ha, connects with me because they actually have a working relationship with Maine, which is where we spend part of the year. But also, I've been there twice, okay. and it's a wonderful place to Reykjavik? visit. Reykjavik and a little bit outside of there. So that's one of my goals. Okay. And what about you, Randy? Well, I started a charity a not-for-profit called SaveMyFurBaby.org. And if you, if you, I know one of Facebook friends. And I, um, I have these stickers, and you've probably seen them around, and not just mine, they're not mine, that uh, on an entryway, on a door, that alerts a first responder to uh, that, that there's a pet inside. Okay? And I had a, a really, this is a 30-second story. I got a call from um, Chuck Siegel, funeral director, and said that, this is about two years ago, the day before, a gentleman in his 70s went out for a walk in Hudson, Florida, in his townhouse community, collapsed on the sidewalk and passed away. The EMTs came and passed away. So Chuck had asked me if I could call the sister in Illinois and offer any help I can with my services. And I said, sure, absolutely. So the first question I asked was, are there any pets? And she wasn't certain because she hadn't been down to Florida in about 10 years. So I immediately raced up to the townhouse, looked in the windows, knocked on the door, uh, didn't see anything, asked the neighbor. The neighbor said no, not sure. It wasn't until a week later that the family was able to get in the house, and we discovered happy ending, no pets. But there could have been. Yeah. So I've developed this whole series of wallet cards and uh, keychains and things like that that will automatically uh, alert the first the contact pet owner and the and the pet owners in case of emergency um, that there's a somebody's in trouble. There may be a pet home alone. So it's called SaveMyFurBaby.org, and my resolution is to really get that going and make it happen big. Or, God forbid, if first responders come to a house and you have a dog like mine who has fear aggression, um, you want to yeah. alert them that there's a dog that may not appreciate their entry you know, into the house. But, all right, well, we've got to wrap it up here. I want to thank my guests today, artist Laura Waller and Sunday Simca host and realtor Randy Friedman. What? Listen to my show this week. For joining me to talk about making big changes in our lives. If you joined us late in the show, feel free to go back and listen on demand uh, to any of our shows from the Midpoint Archives at wmnf.org midpoint or on the app or find us wherever you get your podcasts. I want to thank my WMNF volunteers, Jessica Green, my soundboard op, and Barbara Fling, who answers phones for us. And as always, thank you, the WMNF listeners, for your interest and support of Midpoint. Um, if you enjoyed the show, you can leave us a tip on the website. Now, please stay tuned for Talking Animals. Randy Wynn will be sitting in for Duncan Strauss today, and they'll be talking about pit bulls. We are WMNF Tampa. Live from 